What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the All In Man Cave Podcast with your host, me, Cole Haight, on a very, very ugly day in Pennsylvania. We are getting the remnants of Hurricane Ida. Expected to get about six inches of rain today, so I am dry. Hopefully, you all are all too in my basement right now, coming at you live from my own man cave. Hopefully, you guys are having a good time in yours, listening to the podcast, have a beer with me, listen to listen to some of the sports updates, and I really hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast. So, like I said, two episodes this week. This will be the one of two. We're going to do some news and some some notes that I've seen around the sports world uh, to, to get into this real quick, and... Then we are going to do a top 10 offensive NFL players and top 10 defensive NFL players coming from me personally since the NFL has just released their uh, list of the top 100 players based on uh, how the players voted. So the players voted for the top 100, and I've, I went through that, saw what they uh, what they had to say on the topic and disagreed a little bit, but I'll go through my list with you guys after we go through some news and notes that I've seen. So let's hop right into it. Some of the things that I've seen recently. So two things involving fans. So fans in the sports world have been a little bit, a little bit scrutinized as of late started with the NBA season last year with people getting stuff thrown at them. We have racial slurs going everywhere. I made a comment in my in one of my previous podcasts that listen, fans haven't been out. They, they it's been a weird time for the past year and a half going through the whole COVID crisis. You have no idea where these people have been. They finally have an opportunity to leave their house as well. Some fan bases and some sports fans take it a little too far. And these two instances that I've seen recently, I've taken this a little too far. So first thing I want to bring up is the New York Mets. So MLB baseball, the New York Mets fans are booing the Mets players when they get a hit and or when they come up to bat because the Mets have been, let's say it very nicely, subpar in the last month, month and a half of the season. Uh, specifically, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez uh, both gave them thumbs downs when they reached base because of all the booing. So fans are booing them because the team is performing terribly. Now, if your if your team has a positive outcome happen during the game that they are playing, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, no matter what, if Javi Baez gets a hit, you guys are booing them. You guys are not fans. I, listen, I get the New York fan base is a little abrasive. I get that fans get kind of crazy, but I'm siding with the Mets players on this one. They're not trying to tank the season. They get a hit and you're booing them. Come on now. You guys paid hundreds and hundreds of dollars for these tickets probably from where these people are bo- are booing. So Maybe they're cheaper tickets, what have you, but you paid money to go to this game and now you're going to boo your own team? Stop it. Come on, stop it. My buddy Tyler Martinez came on, did an MLB segment. Hopefully, he's going to come back on soon. We're going to do another MLB update segment. Tyler Martinez is never going to boo his own team. He may make a few comments. He's the biggest Mets fan I know. He's never booing his own team. That's not happening. I do not support it. I 100% do not believe in booing your own team. And Javi Baez and Lindor did get a little bit of heat for giving them the thumbs down when they got on base. They did apologize 
a half-ass apology and and what I saw from what they said in their media coverage, but uh, nonetheless, they ex- they apologized for something that they didn't have to apologize for because I would be super pissed as well if my own fans were booing me after I got a hit. Yes, the team's not performing. That's awesome. Like, I mean, it's not awesome, but the team's not performing. Quite clearly, there's something going on. It's not because they're trying to tank the season, clearly. They're 64 and 67 as of a night or two ago. Yes, they were above 500 at some point, but they're not trying to tank the season. Yes, your team's not playing that well, but don't boo your own fans. That's just ridiculous. Don't go to a sports event and don't be a sports fan if you're going to boo your own team. Boo the rival team. There you go. I just solved your problem. And then also uh, these playoffs for the PGA Golf Tour. Uh, we're going through the tour championship is starts this Thursday. Uh, no cut event. Top 30 players in the world playing in the final event for the FedEx Cup. I believe it's a $15 million purse for the winner. So we've got this Brooksy and this Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau thing going on where they have a, a, an obvious feud and fans are starting to take note of it. And everybody is picking on Bryson and yelling Brooksy when he hits. And Brooks Kepka is getting absolutely no th- lashback on this. So they those two p- go- PGA golfers do not like each other. And everybody is basically bullying Bryson DeChambeau. Basically, just as a background, I know there's not a lot of golf fans out there. I'm an avid golfer, huge golf fan. I love watching it. So I can give you guys a little bit of my take on the situation. And just to give you guys a, kind of a background on what's going on. So Bryson DeChambeau literally gained a bunch of muscle mass and now hits bomb drives farther than anybody else. He All his clubs are different than everybody else that's ever played golf. So he's basically like the guy that's changing the game, and a lot of people don't like it. Especially, uh, And to be quite frank, a lot of the tour players themselves don't like it. But he's still not using illegal clubs. He's not doing anything against the rules. So him getting hassled in an everyday, sorry, in every week, tour match so every tournament he gets hassled and people yell brooksy because they're on brooks kepka's side while he's either while he's hitting or right after he walks away i can only imagine how infuriating that is harris english actually two tournaments ago harris english played with bryson in the last group of the tournament he said he couldn't even handle it it was that it was that abrasive like, Bryson has to step up. And Bryson doesn't play that fast. Like, he's a slow golfer, which is irritating for most golfers. But they were on the clock. If you're on the clock and you're taking too long, you have to hit shots or you're going to get a penalty. You're going to get penalty strokes added to your score. These fans need to stop. It's ruining golf. Like, golf's a gentleman's sport. I get that you need to get a new crowd in and kind of diversify the crowd. But golf is not basketball, nor is it football. So there's no reason why you should be yelling or bullying anyone on a golf course, especially somebody who hasn't really broken any rules. You cannot like the guy. It's fine. Don't root for him then. Root for somebody else. But don't be yelling stuff while he's hitting. And, and don't be hassling him while he's walking away. Because at some point, he you're going to put him in a spot where he's going to be making decisions he doesn't want to make against people who don't really care about the consequences via the, what they're yelling and they and the fans don't care what happens to him. Because they'll just get thrown out of the event where Bryson could actually lose his tour card for something crazy that he does in response. 
So a lot of fan issues going on. None of this really happens in the NFL, to be honest. I've never really, in my lifetime, I've never really seen that much fan interference only because they're not really on the same level, like actual physical level as the players, where there's not really anybody on the field. They're more or less in the stands. Yeah, you get your streaker from time to time, but these fan issues really don't happen in the NFL, whereas it's been an issue in the NBA. It's now becoming an issue for the MLB, and now golf is even having a a problem with it. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on the fans, but... I'm not a fan of what the Mets fans are doing, and I'm not a fan of these of these people going to, to golf tournaments and yelling at golfers. It's ridiculous. All right, moving on. If you guys haven't seen Cam Newton, the starting quarterback or the presumed starting quarterback for the New England Patriots, is released, and now Mac Jones will start. Cam did give a an Instagram post shout out in sign language that he loves all his fans. Uh, it appreciates them supporting him no matter what. Listen, Cam Newton, he doesn't have the arm strength. He's he's one-hopping throws everywhere. He did it last season before he got COVID. It got worse after COVID. Listen, they 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 took Mac Jones for a reason, and they they intend on using him. And I feel like Cam, as the leader he is in a locker room, and the things that have came out with Mac Jones being a leader in the locker room and the support he's gotten from the veterans, they couldn't have two leaders on that team. They needed one. So they made a decision. He was making $3.5 million a year. He wasn't going to start. They probably approached Cam Newton and was like, are you okay with being a backup? And Cam was like, absolutely not. Cut me or release me. And that's what they did, honestly. I don't see Cam Newton getting cut without them telling him what the what the situation was. I don't see that being a I don't see it happening. I I just don't. And listen, Cam can go a lot of different places. Honestly, I, I he's got to try and accept a backup job somewhere because I don't think he's going to start anywhere. So, if you're asking me where I think he should go, so like you have an opportunity to go to the Rams and back up Matt Stafford because they don't really have anything else over there. You got the Dallas Cowboys who got rid of their backup quarterback is Cooper Rush. Who is that? Like, Cam Newton could back up Dak and come in in, in a pinch, depending on what happens. And the only other thing I can think of right now that he would actually want to play for is the Seattle Seahawks and back up Russell Wilson. Because Geno Smith is their backup right now, and Geno Smith is a joke. He is terrible. And Cam Newton is a definite upgrade from Geno Smith. I'll give you that for, for damn sure. So we'll see what happens with Mac Jones. Uh, his odds on dra- on DraftKings went from plus nine hundred to win Rookie of the Year to plus four fifty. So they obviously think he's going to have a good season. I really do, honestly, think that he's going to have a good season. He's basically a mirror image of Tom Brady when he was a rookie, not after he won all the Super Bowls, but he's a, a taller. Accurate quarterback with a half decent arm, half decent to average arm. And he's not that mobile. Now, if he's a great leader and he can make accurate throws, he's basically Tom Brady. When he was a younger Michigan slash first year in the league, Tom Brady. And like, yes, I understand. Like, people are gonna give they're gonna give me crap for it, but that, that's what he what that's what Tom type of court. That sorry, that's what the type of quarterback that Tom was when he came in the league. He's an accurate quarterback with a half decent arm that did make mistakes. Mac Jones, preseason, camp, half-season quarterback, not mobile, doesn't make mistakes. Let's see what happens. He has he has a lot of respect from the vets that have been with Bill Belichick. 
I saw a, a comment Matthew Slater made. Matthew Slater is like the best veteran Bill Belichick dude on that team. He's played special teams his whole career there. He's a career New England Patriot. I believe that 100%. So we'll see how Mac Jones does. I think he's going to have a half-decent season. They, they probably win eight or nine games, whether it's Cam or Mac. They win eight or nine games. Yes, it could be better, but I highly doubt it's going to be worse, to be honest with you. All right, moving on. So as gloomy as it is outside my window right now from my current basement in Pennsylvania, let's talk about some of the injuries that I've seen. So this happens every year. If you're an NFL fan, you know at, at right before the beginning of the season and right after or the, basically the last week of this, the preseason and leading up to the first week of the regular season, there's always a bunch of weird injuries. Things happen. People, and I was scrolling through ESPN looking at some of the some of the injury updates after the fifty three man rosters were released. Some of these injuries are, are are kind of insane. So I I went through and I saw some some really really interesting interesting players that are th- this these injuries could be could be major for for how the team outlook looks for who they play for, especially for the first half of the the twenty twenty one season. So let's start looking through this. So Trey Lance came out. I actually honestly didn't even know about this. So I watched part of their preseason game, their last preseason game. It was against the Raiders, I believe. And he's going to be out at least a week. So they think he's going to be ready for the regular season, but they're going to keep an eye on him. Chipped bone in his finger. So they said it's similar to being a little bit worse than a jam. He's going to have surgery to remove the piece. Kind of similar to the to the Carson Wentz foot thing where they got like a piece of bone moving around in there and they got to get rid of it or it's going to continuously be an issue. So Trey Lance is, is having surgery. They said one week, keep him out of practice and he'll be ready to go. Let's keep an eye on that because that if that doesn't work, that pretty much guarantees Jimmy Garoppolo the starting job. Um, Trey Lance was supposed to get his own package and with his own plays and everything else in there. We'll see how much that works, and you'll see week one if he's not healthy based on how many snaps he takes because Kyle Shanahan's press conferences were leaning towards like 65-35 in terms of snaps offensively, depending either way. So... We'll keep an eye on that. This one absolutely hurts me because as, as a Vikings fan, it just does because this guy was so promising. Irv Smith Jr. starting tight end out four to five months uh, with a meniscus repair. Came out earlier that he may or may not get away with them just toying around in there and he will be out for a few weeks. Obviously, I knew that this was going to come out because they went out and traded for Chris Herndon, the starting tight end for the New York Jets, who's a pretty big body target who kind of similarly plays like Irv Smith. He's just a, a tad bit bigger and a tad bit slower. They went out and traded for him. So I knew that the meniscus repair was probably necessary and he was going to be out for most of the year. Hope Irv comes back, man. He's he's paid his dues. Kyle Rudolph's gone now. So and he, he moved on to the New York Giants. So he was going to start. So it's going to be Tyler Conklin and Chris Herndon. So let's see what happens with that. This one's kind of interesting. So Stephon Gilmore is placed on the pup list, which means if you guys are unfamiliar, uh, physically unable to perform list, he's got to be out for at least the first six weeks of the season. He had a quad tear last year. I think he had surgery on it, if I'm not mistaken. And he was also having issues with his contract and whether or not he was going to get extended or he was going to get 
uh, more money in the offseason before the season started. So it's very interesting. I didn't really think he was going to come out. I thought he was fine, and he was just holding out for the tr- for tra- uh, mini camp, training camp, and then the preseason. But it looks like it's probably a combination of both. If they didn't extend him and they didn't do anything to his contract, he's probably still pissed. That and the fact that his quad, he's not really going to be excited to get back on the field since he's not getting paid more money, which is what he wants. So now the quad tear is still an issue. So he's on the pup list for at least six weeks. That's their best corner. That's going to be the attack on the New England Patriots. Their second best corner is Jalen Mills from the Philadelphia Eagles. I watched Jalen Mills play. He is terrible. Jalen Mills is terrible, and if anybody thinks that he's good, please watch his tape from the Philadelphia Eagles. Please. This guy couldn't find a wide receiver or read a coverage if his life depended on it. Jalen Mills is terrible, and that's their second-best corner. All right, moving on. J.K. Dobbins, six to nine months, torn ACL. Jim Harbaugh. Sorry, John Harbaugh from the Baltimore Ravens has this thing where he likes to play his starters one series. Well, he played his star running back one too many series, and he tore his ACL on the on the third down play of that series. J.K. Dobbins is out for the season with a torn ACL. They have Gus Edwards. They have Justice Hill. People are talking about maybe possibly coming out or going back to Mark Ingram, trying to get him back from the from the Houston Texans just because he knows the system. Uh, back in in Baltimore. We'll see what happens. J.K. Dobbins from Ohio State, great running back. Very, very lucrative for that system. Very, very lucrative for that system, that run, that running, mainly running system with Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards is a good running back, don't get me wrong, but I feel like him and Justice Hill can't take the workload, and they're going to decline a little bit to do to do so, which is why they needed J.K. Um, but we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep an eye on it. That hurts that team, though. That hurts the Baltimore Ravens for sure. And in the AFC North, they need every win they can get, and they need to keep every player they can get. Sticking with the sticking with the um, the Baltimore Ravens, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. They went out and attacked the fact that they had no wide receivers that could run routes or or have decent hands. Rashad Bateman from Minnesota is a is is a major major part of that revamp that they tried to do with picking up Sammy Watkins, getting Tylen Wallace in the draft as well. He's going to be out six to eight weeks with a core muscle issue, probably a, a serious abdominal strain. He did already have surgery, so six to eight weeks. We'll see how he recovers from surgery and how he rehabs, but that's going to be a huge issue for them as well. Like he was one of those one of those players that they keyed on for to get them out of the slump. And trying to get Lamar Jackson out of this, oh man, Lamar can't throw the ball when he already led the league in touchdown passes one year. So I don't believe in that, but the haters thought maybe that Tylen Wallace, Sammy Watkins, and Rashad Bateman as huge pickups in this offseason were going to help Lamar with that, especially between the hashes. And then next, David Bakhtiari. So with all the Aaron Rodgers hype, and all the all the drama, all the hype, everything going on. All, their offensive line does not look good. Green Bay's offensive line does not look reassuring. Now I know Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and he's the MVP of last season. But they're they they don't look good. Like they, they're I looked at the depth chart that it doesn't look promising. So Aaron's gonna have to make some, especially if Bakhtiari's gonna be out a decent amount of time. I mean, he's gonna be out for at least the first third of the season. He's on the pup list, so he's out at least six weeks with the knee. 
And I think it was a knee sprain. I don't think he had surgery on it, but he's been rehabbing it. And it's apparently not going as well as it should have because I heard that he was supposed to start week one this season. All right, last one on here that I see as a major impact. T.Y. Hilton. So Carson Wentz is in COVID protocol right now, unvaccinated quarterback, just like Kirk Cousins, just like Lamar Jackson. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is going to miss for what Frank Reich says is multiple games, which could mean two, could mean nine. I mean, multiple games is very vague. But he's got a disc in his neck that slipped. So major issue. We'll keep an eye on it, but T.Y. Hilton is probably the only veteran receiver worth a damn on that team. They got Michael Pittman in his second year. They have Paris Campbell from Ohio State, but he hasn't been healthy since he was drafted. They took a huge hit with T.Y. being out. So with Carson Wentz not having much time to practice during, during during training camp, and during the preseason, and now we have T.Y., who's not going to be there for multiple games, depending on, and their first eight games are the strongest part of their schedule, the Colts are at a major disadvantage right now. And this is the this is what I talked about, where it, does, it has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with how you feel about the vaccine or what have you, but unvaccinated players are going to cause a huge issue for NFL football teams in this 2021 season. It's going to be a huge problem. Like I mentioned multiple times, I'm not attacking people who don't want to get vaccinated. It's your choice. It was my choice to get it. It's your choice to not. It's America. Like I'm not going to, but it's going to cause an issue for your team because of the way the NFL is treating these protocols. So if you want to get mad at anybody, get mad at the NFL. All right, moving on. So I said my top 10 players on offense and my top 10 players on defense is what we're going to do for the segment today. So let's let's hop right in. We're going to start with the offense. So Cole's top 10 offensive players of 2021. Number 10, Dalvin Cook. Now you're all going to say I'm biased cuz I'm a Vikings fan. No. Dalvin Cook dual threat running back from Florida State. Yes, he has issues. His issues that plague him are mainly all the injuries he's gotten already. Hopefully that's behind him. 1,500 plus yards, 16 TDs, 44 receptions, and 350 touches last year. It, the, the numbers speak for themselves. The whole the, the Minnesota Vikings offense runs through Dalvin Cook. If Dalvin Cook has a bad game. We are we sorry we, we. I'm not a part of the team, but I consider myself a fan. As then, like part of the team, the Vikings will have a bad and or off script game if Dalvin Cook cannot get going. Dalvin Cook, number 10, definitely a top five, if not top three back in the NFL. All right, number nine, Tyreek Hill. Unbelievable. Vikings played the Chiefs the other the other week in preseason. Actually, it was last week in preseason. Uh, Tyreek Hill's speed is inevitable. It, 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 I, always, I always say that Tyreek is not an actual wide receiver because he can't run routes. It looked like he worked on it because his routes are pretty good. Especially this year based on last year. Now, he's never going to have a lot of receptions because he has other players on that team. And most of his receptions are going to go for a longer amount of yards. And he's going to get a decent amount of TDs. So, he's never going to have 100 100 catches. Especially with Travis Kelsey on his team. Travis Kelsey is going to get most of the receptions. Tyreek Hill is going to catch most of the deep balls. That's the way that the Chiefs are going to operate their offense. 
but 1,200 yards, 15 TDs, 87 catches, and over 15 yards per catch, that's definitely top 10 worthy. And Tyreek Hill is challenging Usain Bolt at a, at a, a race. If Tyreek Hill beats Usain Bolt, even in his later age, that is going to be impressive. All right, moving on. Number eight, Alvin Kamara, all-around back. And not only an all-around back, but it's almost too much of everything. Like, it's it's almost too much. And the change at QB, not having Drew Brees and him having Jameis Winston starting and Taysom Hill, who last year when Taysom Hill was in, Alvin Kamara saw a lot less work, could affect his production this year. But his route running, his speed, the way he make uh, the way he breaks tackles and is very elusive with the football. It looks like he's not even running hard yet. He's fast. Nine hundred yards rushing, eighty-three receptions, and sixteen TDs last year speaks for itself. Alvin Kamara is going to have a decent season, I think, regardless of who the quarterback is. I just really hope that he doesn't get lost in the fray of Jameis Winston trying to throw deep and Alvin Kamara not ever running a deep route. Number seven, DeAndre Hopkins. His hands are massive in terms of size and reliability. Either way of that word work, the way either way that word works, it works. Huge hands. His catch radius is similar to what I used to see from Calvin Johnson. He could catch anything in a in an eight foot circle. I've seen him catch in in double coverage, triple coverage, the Hale Murray. Him running perfect routes, the spin move on Monday Night Football. He's made so many plays, and he gets so many receptions. His target-to-catch ratio is one of the best in the league. 115 receptions last year, 6 TDs, 1,400 yards. He's a number one target, and he's definitely a top three target. And if somebody, if you know somebody who drafted him in fantasy, he's going to have a wonderful season this year for your fantasy football team. All right, number six, Travis Kelsey. What can I say about Travis Kelsey? He's obviously the best tight end in the in the NFL right now. He's one of the best blockers, one of the best pass catchers, one of the best route runners. He's an A++. He's one of those players you really need on your football team, and if you don't have him and you finally procure him, whether it be in the draft or in free agency, your team just went up two letter grades. This guy can do damage anywhere. Short distance routes, long distance routes, blocking, block, run blocking, pass blocking. I wouldn't even be surprised if he could throw the ball. The dude is amazing. He's going to be the the one of the number one targeted tight ends in the league. 13 and a half yards per catch, 11 TDs last year, over 1,400 yards. He had more receiving yards than almost every wide receiver in the league last year. And more receptions than every receiver but three as a tight end. That says a lot about him as a player and how many plays he plays and how many snaps he takes and his production in general over wide receivers that are way faster than him and get more targets. It's unbelievable. It's really unbelievable what Travis Kelsey does on a football field, but I would do almost anything to have him on my football team. All right, moving on. Number five, the first quarterback on my list, Aaron Rodgers, former MVP, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions last year, basically told the front office of the Green Bay Packers to kick rocks, and they wanted to get rid of him, which is why they drafted Jordan Love, and now they're really mad they did that. 
because now I do not think he will play on that team next year regardless of what happens. Now, honestly, I'm a Vikings fan, so I hope the Packers tank. I will never wish injury upon a player, but I really hope the Packers tank this year. However, his unbelievable throws, whether he's in the pocket or outside the pocket, and for him to be dead accurate almost every throw is almost unbelievable to watch and has pretty much destroyed me watching Vikings-Packers games because every time I watch him, we lose. Almost everyone. We won one last year during the COVID season with the strip sack on the last play where they went for a Hail Mary and couldn't get it off. Thank you, DJ Wanham. All right, moving on. Derrick Henry, basically a human battering ram, if you can imagine a bull running down a football field. So the problem with Derrick Henry is that he has so many touches that it almost scares me to believe in him for doing this for multiple years. He had an unbelievable amount of touches last year. He had 47 more touches than Dalvin Cook. And he had like 100 touches more than the average running back. Which is, if you get 25 touches a game, that's four. He played basically four more games than every other running back. Not every other running back, but the average. That's a lot. He had 2,000 yards and 17 TDs with a five and a half yards per carry. Unbelievable for the amount of touches he's got. Now, he, they, the, the Tennessee Titans need to figure out some way to pro, prolong his career and stop this because he's not going to be able to keep this up. He's going to get banged up, and he's gonna, it's going to happen quick. They're basically just encouraging the father of time to come quicker. All right, number three, Devontae Adams. Similar to DeAndre Hopkins, except even better in terms of the hands, the route running, and the red zone threat ability is a plus. Devontae Adams is unbelievable in the red zone. He has an unbelievable catch catch ratio. And he just catches amazing amounts of touchdowns per season. He had 18 touchdowns last year, 12 yards per carry or yards per reception. It, he destroys the he's a he's a Viking destroyer. And I've watched it happen multiple times. Now Rodgers is credited with most of his success. So if Rodgers, that's that, that's basically how the media makes it seem. Because Devontae wasn't very good his first few years. Him and Aaron got on, on key. But I feel like if, if Aaron leaves and Devontae doesn't get a chance to go to a team with a quarterback up to Aaron Rodgers' caliber, which is basically either Aaron or Patrick Mahomes, he may struggle. Just because, just because I think most of his success is based on the relationship he has with Aaron Rodgers, his quarterback. So if he goes to, to let's say he goes to Las Vegas, him and Derek Carr may not get have as good chemistry as him and Rodgers. And I see that being a major issue for him. All right, moving on, number two, Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to get a lot of crap for this because I know a lot of people – may think that there's running backs better than Christian McCaffrey to put up here, but he's the best all-around back in football, whether it be for statistics, a football team itself, for the NFL, or in fantasy. Injury kept him out in the COVID season. He was hurt, I think, week three, if I'm not mistaken. But he had 100 receptions in the two years before that. 100 receptions as a running back. Think about that. 
and his his rushing stats are are still above average. And he had a hundred receptions, which means his snap count is extremely high, and he's productive within that snap count. He was great for for the Carolina Panthers for all the years he was there, and very productive. He was great at Stanford. He was underrated at Stanford. Came into the NFL, got underrated again, and he exploded. I'm looking for a. I'm looking and hoping to see a huge bounce back bounce back season from Christian McCaffrey this year. All right, and finally, number one on my offensive players list, Patrick Mahomes. I am a Mahomey. I believe in Patrick Mahomes. I didn't when he first came into the league. I thought he wasn't. It wasn't going to relate. I will always get shit from my buddy for me telling him that when they drafted Mahomes, he I didn't think his 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 play was going to relate in the NFL, and I didn't think it was going to work. Well, was I wrong? His career so far, 114 touchdowns, only 24 interceptions, 108.7 passer rating. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won one of them. His, I can, I don't, I'm at a loss for words almost. While talking, like some of the plays that he makes athletically are unbelievable. The Super Bowl last year, throwing the ball, not even with feet on the ground, hitting people in the chest. He didn't get bailed out by his offensive line. He didn't get bailed out by his defense, and he didn't get bailed out by his wide receivers. So last year in the Super Bowl, you might as well have put in the paper the Tampa Bay Bucks defeated Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl because he didn't get really any help from his entire football team. 26 years old, he is going to bring in a lot of young football fans into the NFL, a lot more than the NFL gets on a regular basis. This guy is, he's a stand-up guy, great dude, awesome with the media, awesome with the fans. He's changed the game of football for the past three seasons, especially the past three seasons. And a lot of younger fans are going to get into football because of Patrick Mahomes. He has a very good opportunity the next few years, basically the whole length of his contract. He has the ability to become the greatest quarterback of all time if he continues this type of play. Not very fast, but is mobile, great arm, makes great decisions. There is not a single bad thing you could say about Patrick Mahomes that I can think of right now at the quarterback position. All right, let's switch sides of the ball. We'll go to Cole's top 10 defensive players. Number 10, Xavier Howard. Man coverage. Zone coverage. This man can do it all. Got an extension. He is the corner, currently the number one corner for the Miami Dolphins, aside Byron Jones. Byron Jones got an extension. He didn't. He was pissed. So they did extend him. Ten interceptions last season, which was first by a mile. And he had that one hander off of Patrick Mahomes when they played one v one. It was Chiefs. Sorry, it was Chiefs Dolphins. Uh, Chiefs were up for a decent amount. I think they were up for almost the first half. It's like 31 to 10 or something, maybe 24 to 10 at halftime. Dolphins made a push to come back with Tua. They had scored a few touchdowns, and Xavier uh, Howard had that one, one-armed interception in the end zone against Patrick Mahomes. Awesome play. The dude makes plays all over the place. Great size. Pretty average speed for a corner, which is good. There's not a lot of, not a lot of four or five guys playing corner. Not a lot of four, 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 three guys either. So, pretty, pretty good speed and pretty, pretty good size for a corner. 
So I see him coming out, new contract, revamped, ready to go. He's going to be a major piece of that Miami Dolphins defense. All right, number nine, DeForest Buckner. Tall, physical defensive lineman, 6'7", 287. Uh, got drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, then traded over for a first-round pick to the Indianapolis Colts. Averages He averaged 10 sacks per season the last three seasons. There's nothing else you can ask for a defensive lineman. I don't care if you're a DN, D-tackle. You're averaging 10 sacks a season for three seasons. You're you're good to go, and, and I want you on my football team 100% of the time. Now, his leadership qualities have been lacked or have been lacking and some have have seemed to to catch on to this and some have agreed and some have disagreed i think he's a decent guy i like him so divorce buckner number nine number eight buddha baker king of the hustle play you guys remember the the interception he was he was run down by uh seattle seahawks wide receiver dk metcalf pretty decent speed for a safety uh, considered the number three ranked safety heading into 2021 based on PFF. This, his downfall is the amount of interceptions, I would say, and his size. There's a lot of corners that are smaller out there. A lot of safeties are smaller as well. He's only 5'10". His speed is is decent to make up for the fact that he doesn't really pick that many balls off, and he's relatively small in terms of height. However, uh, his passes defensed are is pretty decent and he seems to always be around the ball so always great in his zone so i can't ask for anything else from a zone covering safety number seven bobby wagner he's the last of the legion of boom from the seattle seahawks six-time all pro seven-time pro bowler 22 and a half sacks and 10 interceptions in nine seasons as a middle linebacker for them bobby wagner's an all-around great dude Great player, awesome leader, and one of the last people left from that Legion of Boom. He gives it all. He gives it his all. He's great off the field with fans as well as his philanthropy in the in the city of Seattle. Great dude. Um, needs to be on this list. Would would give up a lot for Bobby Wagner. He is getting a bit older, so we'll we'll keep an eye on how his play continues to either rise or decline. But he definitely deserves a spot on this top ten list. Number six, Chris Jones, solid, solid uh, in the front seven for the Kansas City Chiefs for the last four years. Plays D-tackle, but also plays D-end. They're moving him to D-end this year. They got Jerron Reed in the offseason to play in the middle, kind of replace where Chris Jones was on that in that front seven. So he's going to play D-end with what I'm assuming is Frank Clark, depending on how his court case goes. Chris Jones on the outside scares the crap out of me. Great, great physical, uh, big guy, very athletic, huge in terms of sacks. He's averaging 10 sacks per year as well the last three seasons. And he, with him playing DN, we have no idea what, how this is going to work. We haven't really seen him on, on the defensive line. Well, I really haven't seen him on the defensive line in a real game, nor has anybody else besides the preseason if he's played. But... We'll see how he is at D-end. Uh, the way he played at D-tackle, if he plays that way at defensive end, uh, the, their division better be scared because he's going to put up bigger sack numbers than he already has at D-tackle. All right, number five, Fred Warner, the stud at middle linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers. He's extremely mature for his age, very young dude, uh, still not even 25 yet. 
In terms of the playbook, knows all the plays, can check in and out, play coverage. He flies around the field. He's really good in coverage. He's really good on the blitz. He's really good at ta- making tackles and not missing them. Uh, tackles and assists very high the last two seasons on the tackle list for all defenses in the NFL. He's really good with the media as well. Saw Heard him on a few podcasts going through the training camp. Uh, everybody's asking him questions about how they're doing. Never really leaked anything. Always gives great answers. Great with the fans. This guy is a stellar dude. All-around great guy. Definitely deserves a spot on this list at number five. Number four, Jalen Ramsey. The best ball hawk cornerback in the league. He's by far the best. In coverage and jumping routes, he's a, a great combo corner in that in that aspect. So the thing about Jalen Ramsey last season, he only allowed 22 catches for 235 yards and one TD all season. Every wide receiver was a pro bowler that he went against. Every single wide receiver he covered was a pro bowler, and he only gave up 22 catches in 16 games. That's not even one and a half catches a game. And only one TD, and it was to Devontae Adams. Unbelievable. Now, only had one pick last year. Similar to Buda Baker. Doesn't have that many interceptions, yet he's always around the ball. Passes defense are huge for him. He's also not a, a, a major blitzer in terms of corners, so he's really like a zone, uh, zone scheme guy who really, really plays to his fullest potential on every snap. Jalen Ramsey, definitely the number one corner. And I'm not surprised that he's this high on my list. Number three, Miles Garrett. As long as he does not take his helmet off and try and hit somebody with it, is the number three player on my defensive list. He has ridiculous strength and ridiculous speed. You may have seen some of his workout videos this offseason. The dude is jacked. He's huge. I would be scared absolutely bonkers if he was running at me. If I was a quarterback, I would just lay on the ground. It's unbelievable. He's huge. Sack specialist, not really high on in terms of tackles or playing the run. He's pretty average at playing the run. He's not terrible, but very known for his, for his sacks. He needs to stay out of his own way. So as long as he doesn't have issues off the field, issues with taking his helmet off, like I said, and trying to hit people with it, which I think was just one bad decision, and I think he'll be good uh, moving forward. He has a very high potential for having the most sacks this year and possibly getting defensive player of the year. Very possible. Number two, I may take some heat for this, but I'm a little biased, and I think this dude, he's not getting a lot of talk. But I think he should be, he's definitely the second best defensive player in the NFL right now. Darius the Maniac Leonard. So Darius Leonard is a tackling machine. He had 168 tackles, whether that be solo or dual tackles last season. He can cover tight ends, cover running backs in the pass game, and also sometimes cover slot receivers. I've seen it in games. I saw it last year when the Vikings played the Colts. Darius Leonard is everywhere. He's everywhere and you don't even see him. He can he can sack the QB. He had over 100 tackles in his first three seasons in the NFL. Darius Leonard's amazing. I've heard him talk about the team on the Pat McAfee show. Pat's got a lot of ins and outs on his show. For the Indianapolis Colts, as he did play for them, shout out Pat McAfee and the boys on on the All In Make Cave podcast. But um, I listen to listen to Pat a lot. 
He has a lot of Indianapolis Colts on his on his show uh, to talk about what's going on. Terry Slennard, amazing dude. Uh, also great in philanthropy for the for the Indianapolis area. Great overall guy with the media, like I said for a few guys already. But it, it means a lot, and and you, and it's not, if you don't come off like a like a great person, and, and you got you got some rough edges, it's not going to get you much in the NFL. Honestly, a few guys can get around it, but most of the time it doesn't really work out. If you're rough around the edges, you're mean to fans, or you have a terrible media presence. And number one on the defensive list, Aaron Donald. The, <sighs> Aaron Donald is amazing. He has been amazing for multiple years, probably almost a decade now. Three defensive player of the year, six-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, 85 and a half sacks in seven seasons. He plays defensive tackle. He's not even an end. Like, he's destroying double teams and, and leading the league in sacks. Not multiple years, but he's always up there. He, he's averaging 12 sacks a year. For seven years. That's amazing. He's ginormous. His strength is beyond anything I've ever seen. His work ethic is amazing based on what I've seen in training camp, what I've seen in the preseason and his offseason workouts. And he's basically unblockable unless you put three people on him and in which case everybody else is either single or just chip blocked. So that's it. Those are my top 10 players on offense and top 10 players on defense. Want to hear what you guys have to say in terms of whether you agree or disagree. So if if you guys would like to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, possibly maybe a five-star review, uh, please tell me uh, what you guys disagree or agree with in the comments. Sorry, in the, in the review for Apple Podcasts. That's going to do it for today's episode. I have one more episode for you guys before the end of this week and then hopefully we do one more episode before the Thursday night game the following week uh, which is the Tampa Bay and Dallas Cowboy game thank you guys so much for listening whether you are listening on iHeartRadio Apple Podcasts or Spotify I thank you first time listeners please uh, come back again I have this is the 14th episode so you can listen to all of the episodes in the feed for any one of those three places to listen to podcasts. Uh, Return listeners, thank you again for coming back and listening. Really close to the NFL season. Getting really, really excited for some of the segments I'm going to come out with you guys. Uh, Like I said uh, multiple times already, trying to come out with at least three, uh, probably four episodes a week when the football season starts. We're going to get at least one more uh, MLB baseball podcast with my man, Tyler Martinez, especially before the playoffs start for the MLB. And very looking forward to you guys. Uh, If you know anybody who would enjoy the podcast, share it, like it. My Facebook posts, share them, like them, comment. Uh, please hit me up in my DMs on Facebook, Cole Hate, C-O-L-E-H-A-Y, D as in Tog, T as in Tom. Please hit me up in my DMs, send me a message, any feedback. Uh, I want to make the show the best it can and get to as many people as I can because I enjoy uh, talking about NFL with you guys. And that's about it. Let's, let's, let's go. Let's get ready for the NFL football season. Hope you guys have a wonderful day. Stay away from Hurricane Ida if you're on the East Coast near Pennsylvania. And like I always say, peace.